on this episode. Who do you think is the most modern equivalent to Alexander the Great? Uh, Keanu by Reeves. what regards? <laughs> like uh, by like one leader that just gobbled up the most amount of land. Ooh, Ooh man. I mean, I mean, nobody's ever done it since him. Not, not like, to that, that like level, him. but... Mm. Yeah. yeah, you had my. You think ever I, I was going. How many years till it happens again? I, my brain was it's going happen in a eventually. different direction when you said who who's a modern equivalent, and I was like, well, I don't know because Kevin Spacey, boy, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for taking the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Can't let you know. It, it took me a second, and I was like, wow, okay. Because I just heard that. Like I'm way late on that whole. Train. Yeah, that was a while ago. Why I said train? Oh yeah. my god! everybody and welcome to another episode of No Country for Middle-Aged Men. I am your host Mark Pearson and my first co-host is known as the destroyer of buffets in southern Michigan and my second co-host is known as the ginger thunder of Houston. Their names are Juan Smith and Adam Radliff. That's right. I'd like to thank you also for putting me in the middle like at the end instead of like and at the very tail end of hanging on to midlife. <laughs> yeah. Our almost that, senior grandpa. Like. Yeah, we're using midlife in the loosest of possible way. Yeah, I'm let's be real. I'm I'm dangling on the end of that just barely. Yeah. And I'd like to think that I'm barely at that level. I mean No, you are. You're just to me it's like holy crap, that's like a child. I better be able you to still look like a baby. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, I keep I keep getting that. Like uh, I just look like a bald baby. Which you is get like, that a I lot. A full, I get that a lot. I have a full beard, people. This is a I man. Know, this is a man's face. So cute. <laughs> I, you, I just have those that baby fat cheeks that just never went away. Mm-hmm. I have those with my butt cheeks. <laughs> what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> now we're talking about your butt cheeks. Apparently, no, we can get off my butt cheeks again. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer that we never get on your butt cheeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody if wants possible. to get on that. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, real quick, before we get into things, uh, everybody out there, you can find us on facebook.com slash no country podcast. You can find us on Instagram at no underscore country underscore podcast. We're also at Twitter at podcast underscore country. You can also find us at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com. You can send us an email there, or you can send us a voicemail at 346-291-0050. And finally, once again, a huge thank you to Marte and Amber over at Helps2. If you need marketing, hit them up at helps2.com. Get a quote from them and spend your money with them because they're solid, trustworthy people. I've known Marte for over a decade. Good, good people. They will do you right. So, to get into today's topic, uh, I love how you can actually say that part like the real people, like where they say, I've known them for 15 years, and you go, Yeah, right. But you actually do. That's yeah. Yeah, you sound middle aged. Well, if they great. didn't believe Mark, you adding your your name to it, I don't think it's going to add a whole lot of cachet. <laughs> <laughs> well, not so credibility, anyway. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but hey, appreciate it. <laughs> For the record, I have no idea who this person is, and uh, this may be a figment of our imagination. Uh, wouldn't put it past Mark. He might be part of the Illuminati, so there's that. Yeah. Well, if I am part of the Illuminati, I am really just on this podcast to hold back your career in comedy, Adam. That is a good use of your time. Like you're, you're really um, pick. You picked out the the star and and are putting a chink in that armor real quick. I mean, that's. I mean, other comics feel threatened by you. What can I say? Got to, got to do what we got to do to keep you know the right people on top. Yep. What? I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> so, uh, so the other day I went with uh, my brother and some somebody else to a really good Greek restaurant. And while I was ordering, I heard Adam's rant uh, about Greek food and Greek women from our episode about the Battle of Thermopylae. So that mm-hmm. inspired me to want to learn more about uh, ancient Greece and Alexander the Great in particular. So uh, today we're going to basically do a Persian choke point part two, I guess we nice. can call it that. Because we're going back to ancient Greece and a, uh, Alexander, and was actually born Alexander Third of Macedon to King Philip II. Uh, he was born in 356 BC in Pella, Greece. And uh, his dad, King Philip, was a very, very ambitious man. Uh, Macedon at the time had great wealth from its mines. It had like silver mines and other like, you know, copper and other stuff like that. And the other Greek city-states mocked the Macedonians for being less educated. You know, in some of the like the writings, they considered them like real dullards and everything. But uh, King Philip had so much ambition, and he used all that wealth from his mines to build a huge army, and then spent his time going around Greece, conquering all the other Greek city-states or bringing them to like an alliance with him. And his long-term goal, he wanted to invade Persia and unite all of the world under his rule. And as you remember, Persia had been like a thorn in the side of the Greeks for a long time. So he was one Can of the... Can we just discuss real quick yeah. how boring a name Philip is? Oh, yeah. Especially for like an ancient guy? <laughs> exactly. You have like Darius, you got Cyrus, you got, you know, Xerxes. Yes. You got like all like... Um, all the the Roman people going on, but well, that's a little bit later. But you have all these cool names, and then you have Philip. Yeah, like what the fuck? How does this happen? And he was the Philip the second. Yeah, like <laughs> so that everybody's got a good old Uncle him. Phil. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Uncle Phil is the guy that just like hangs at the back at the family reunion. and gets drunk and yells at everybody. No, yeah, Uncle, but Uncle Phil Phil's is the guy funny. who gives <laughs> who gives it Will Smith good advice. Uh, whenever he's wiling out. That's what Uncle Phil does. <laughs> yeah, man, you're right. That is everybody's Uncle Phil, man. Yeah. Uncle Phil judges. I don't have R.I.P. R.I.P. Uncle Phil. <laughs> he's, he's dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. It is. Yeah. So, Sorry to bring it down, down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's what you guys are good at, just bringing things down. Mm-hmm. Much like Alexander the Great. Yes, much like Alex. And so Juan, Juan doesn't have a clue who about anything about Alexander the Great, I'm sure, right? Yeah, that's pretty much about the size of it. So you, this, you get to learn something today, which is going to be I fun. I learn every time you have one of these. <laughs> yeah, well. he, he learned what his favorite fast food restaurants were <laughs> on the fly. And his favorite 80s movies. Exactly. And then got called out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Assholes. Fucking Burger King. Oh, yeah, that's because you were like, oh, Chicken Shack, and Chicken Shack's only in Michigan. So, yeah. Oh, it had to be a national. Yeah. Wow, I'm still fucking up like three episodes later. That's terrible. (laughs) He had one rule. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, damn, like, damn. And he's like, people don't forget. (laughs) No, people definitely (laughs) don't forget. That's for sure. (laughs) I forget everything. (laughs) You're like, we did an episode on fast food? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's your list? I'd have the same look. <laughs> Much like my, uh, I feel like the worst history. student in the class. Every time you give us any kind of shit to do, it can take like ten minutes. These guys are doing research for days, calling friends. They're getting input. They're coming up with complete lists. They got databases. I'm like, ah, uh, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Steve Irwin? (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. Oh, wow. Shitty person. That's definitely that's definitely how it goes though. Cause the day we did the eighties episode, I'm not even kidding, Adam. Two hours before I sent Juan a text. I was like, Did you do your list yet? And he writes me back, No, I'll do it soon. <laughs> Jesus. I was like, it's five o'clock. I'm meeting Dan and Adam in like two hours. <laughs> I just want to know how busy is your schedule? Oh, I mean, dude, it's uh, insane. It is it's you ins- would think. I would just have nothing to do. <laughs> I wish. Well, I assumed you were somewhat busy. You can't freaking um, take care of yourself. I mean, you can't shave. You can't be bothered to put a shirt on. I mean, it's clearly your schedule is... Yeah, it's a miracle you're wearing a pretty, shirt right now. Yeah, pretty tied up. And it's hot as fuck today. <laughs> you got to be 96? Oh. Here, here, we've had 90s. Like People don't even know what to do. Nobody's moving. Like it's it's kind of like if it snowed there or something. Nobody knows how to deal with it. So on the day Alexander was born, uh, his father uh, got the news that his army, his father Philip, you know, boring guy Phil, his armies had defeated the combined armies of the Illyrian and Paeonian armies, and then also on the same day, his horses won the Olympic Games, and then also nice. on the same day, the Temple of Artemis in Ephesus burned to the ground. And the temple. Of so maybe we're just not giving this Uncle Phil name enough respect, man. This guy. Oh, dude, it. I'm actually Phil's a huge Phil it. fan. Uh, as we get through this a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of wish like he. Well, I mean, I don't want to give away what's about to come up, but like, I think that he was super underrated and quite yeah. possibly could have been. He could have been. It could have been Philip the Great just as easy as it was. Yeah, it, Alexander it, the Great. He had. But he kind of gets fucked. Yeah, he he had a. Uh, he had the right idea, and Alexander kind of just continued on with his idea. But the interesting thing, the Temple of Artemis, which is one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, it burned down on that day. And so the legend came about that the god Artemis was not in the temple to protect it at the, from the fire at the time and was there to witness the birth of Alexander instead. So that's why the temple burned down. That's what you know the Greeks believed, which is a pretty interesting tale because... You know, after all these years, he was named Alexander the Great. So apparently everyone thought he was so great that a god was like, I'm going to let my temple burn down just to witness this. Pretty cool. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's not arrogant thinking at all. No, <laughs> yeah. but you have to. Well, we'll get into it. My, we'll, you'll understand later on why, like, all the Greeks thought Alexander was the greatest person who ever lived. Uh, and actually, they make a pretty good argument that Alexander is one of the most important people in history who ever lived. Uh, it's. He, I don't even see if that's how it's even debatable. I don't think it's debatable either. I know there's people out there that would debate it, but for what he did to the ancient world and how he spread, helped spread Greek ideas, culture, and democracy. It changed the entire world forever. Right. So, uh, yeah. Sure. When Alexander was 13 years old, you know, he typical boy childhood. Uh, when he was 13 years old, his father chose uh, Aristotle to be his tutor. So what? Name name sounds. Okay, that's familiar. a little bit of an advantage. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he was to be tutored at Mitzia, and Mitzia was a boarding school for noble children, where other people. Another famous guy from history, Ptolemy, was taught there too. Mm-hmm. Yep. The uh, wow. Yeah. Ptolemy is it Ptolemy Suter? Which one was it? I get those mixed up. I'd, yeah. But yeah, the guy who goes on to Egyptian fame. Yep. It was another. Yep. So Alexander was raised in really good company around people like Ptolemy and Ar- I mean, you can't really get any better than Aristotle. The only other person I think you would want, I would prefer as a tutor, would be someone like Socrates. You would want Socrates. I'd much rather have Socrates. Aristotle. Aristotle. <laughs> Aristotle. He's my favorite philosopher. We can go into into that at some other point. But like, he was the most practical of the the, the huge three philosophers, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. As were Socrates, he was more of just like a a nonstop arguer. Yeah, like just like a nonstop questioner. Um, he could tie you up in knots, but he was also uh, forced to kill himself because he was such a prick. Yeah. Um, as where Aristotle, uh, he was a fucking genius. Definitely. He's, he, plus, I mean, maybe it's a factor of his time and that writing was more popular and he wasn't such a dickhead that he refused to write down all of his stuff like um, Socrates did. But man, I can't imagine a better tutor because he, and also Aristotle had such a huge breadth of knowledge yes. that, oh my God, he's like the perfect dude. Yeah. So yeah, that's a huge advantage. Yeah, it's. I actually think that having Aristotle as a tuner changed Alexander's life to make him Alexander the Great. Because oh, for sure, having that level, that caliber of like a teacher, is just absolutely ridiculous. And he would just spend like pretty much every day with Aristotle. He'd teach him everything he knows. And you know, before he had. Uh, before he went to be taught by Aristotle, he already learned things like mathematics and history. You know, he had already learned a foundation of an education. And then Aristotle comes in and is like, okay, we're going to take you to like the next level. So he was basically getting like a high end, high level education at 13 years old. So the kid was super intelligent. And then also on top of that, his father and Aristotle were teaching him uh, military uh, theory and battle tactics. So this right. kid at 13, 14, 15 years old is already learning how to fight wars from some of the greatest because Philip was a great, great tactician. Right. Well, wow, see, man. Juan actually had a similar Well, thing. my he mentor was, was a uh, flamboyantly gay Flamingo, uh, flamingo artist and clothes designer, but uh, I can sell the shit out of some stuff now, and I'm short, so... Yeah. I thought your I, mentor was the the Socrates of South Bend, uh, Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> no, he couldn't have been. We're about the he same age. He learned very early on to ball with the ball, <laughs> and uh, 
Live life, live life like a cowboy, baby. Uh, sorry, Junior. He's my age. You can't mentor me. I think, I, think I, I think he's younger than me, maybe. I met him a long time ago once. Um, was not impressed. <laughs> was really not impressed when I saw him in concert. <laughs> you should. Well, I, you just confirmed that you saw him in concert, so that's on you. It was free, and uh, yeah, I regretted it. <laughs> yeah he doesn't have the staying power of a fred durst we can all agree to that <laughs> that is for sure <laughs> keep it rolling baby oh my goodness so uh uh also aristotle got alexander interested in the writings of homer and a, uh, his favorite writing of homer was the one when uh, homer started his own snow plow company called mr plow oh boy yeah didn't he have uh, was it the Iliad uh, with him like yeah. all at all times? Yeah, actually like he did. Yeah, that yeah. was a Simpsons throwback for the three people who got that. Unless you're a diehard Simpsons fan, uh, it actually was the Iliad, and Aristotle gave him an antenated copy, which Alexander carried with him everywhere he went, which is pretty cool. And then Alexander also developed a close relationship with his teachers, especially uh, Anna Menxes of lamp i can't even say the city name so who cares uh he also he <laughs> accompanied him on all of his military campaigns too so he had like another one of his teachers with him at all times so he he understood the value of having you know wise counsel let's say so, yeah which is absolutely huge and and more people should learn from that it's like down the road especially in the roman uh like emperors mm-hmm. every time you see one of them that's just like completely fucking up Caligula. it's whenever they have just yes men around them yes. and they kill off people who they think they're a threat and like as where augustus was smart he's like i'm gonna freaking get people who are geniuses in my my inner circle and utilize their brilliance versus being afraid of them uh and then you have the idiots that just like kill off all all the people with brains yeah which never leaves you in a very good spot, unfortunately. <clears throat> so when Alexander turned uh, 16, his, his father was gone most of his life, off fighting wars and putting down rebellions and stuff like that. So when he was 16, his father was gone waging war against Byzantium. And uh, during this time, the Thracian Medea revolted against Macedonia. And Alexander, at 16 years old, fought back and then took their lands and then repopulated them with Greek settlers. And then founded a city called Alexandropolis. So at he, 16? At 16. Jeez, he did a lot better than Jeffrey Dahmer did when his dad and mom were away for summer. <laughs> What a strange Sorry. comparison. I'm just, I'm just saying, man, people should take different situations and turn them into different shit. Yeah. He's like, well, while you were gone, I created a whole society where I'm kind of in charge. What? <laughs> they do have some similarities. They're both raging alcoholics. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was. Yep. yep. Uh, they're both raging alcoholics. All right, that's the only comparison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's another one, but we'll get to that in a little bit. They're um, white. No. <laughs> Some boy, boy love. Boy love, yeah. Yeah. Typical Greeks. Yep. So when Philip uh, returned, he uh, was impressed with Alexander, and so he sent Alexander to stop some revolts in southern Thrace. And at this point, the Illyrians attacked Macedonia, only to be repelled once again by Alexander. 
So the the uh, Thracians were probably really sick of Alexander and their father because they just could not beat him. So then uh, Philip came down and joined forces with Alexander, and they marched through the hot gates of Thermopylae and then attacked the unified armies of Athens and Thebes. And initially, the Athenians and the Thebes fought very well until Philip commanded a retreat. And this retreat led the Athenians to change Philip's fleeing forces that broke their lines, leaving an opening for Alexander to break through and pretty much wipe out all the Athenians. And then Philip's forces turned and routed uh, the Thebians and they were quickly defeated. So both father and son obviously knew how to fight and they knew how to fight very well together. And they took on two other city states by themselves and took them down. Oh, yeah. Both geniuses. Yeah, both military geniuses. So then uh, after this victory, Philip and Alexander marched unopposed to Peloponnese, uh, where everybody there welcomed them in because, I mean, why wouldn't you? You're like, oh, yeah, we don't want to die. So then when they came to Sparta, uh, the Spartans were like, uh, no, eat dicks, go away. But uh, smartly, Philip and Alexander didn't attack them. They were like, okay, let's try and make peace with the Spartans. And at uh, Corinth, Philip established the Hellenic Alliance. And so he ha- his whole idea was like he wanted to create... They were The Greeks were sick of the Persians. They were like, we're sick and tired of them coming over here, trying to take over our lands. And we're sick and tired of all this. And they, he was just like, look, let's just all fight together. So... He, uh, you know, wanted Philip wanted to be named the supreme commander of the League of Corinth. And so then he said, once he they announced him to be that, he said, you know what, I want to attack the Persian Empire and get rid of these Persians. So Philip then turned around and went back to Pella. And then he uh, fell in love with another woman. And uh, he... He fell in love with this other woman and married her, and this marriage made Alexander's position as heir less secure because Alexander's mom wasn't Macedonian, and Alexander's stepmom was Macedonian, so by right of blood, his stepbrother, if his dad had a step uh, had a son with his other mom, you know his other the other kid would have you know precedence to the throne. So uh, at the wedding, Philip and Alexander got in a fight over the marriage, and Alexander got in a, you know, really, really pissed. He's like, why are you? And, and so basically his dad divorced his mom. And so then Alexander and his mom fled from Macedonia, fearing that King Philip would, you know, put him in jail or kill him. So likely. Yeah, likely. So they went and sought refuge with some of the Illyrian kings for a little while. And, you know, they were treated as a guest, despite having, you know, been beaten by Alexander. They were like, okay, you know, let's actually be nice to this guy because obviously he's really smart and we may, you know, we may want to, you know, have his loyalty on our side here in a little bit. So after about six months, Alexander returned to Macedon uh, due to the efforts of a family friend, Demetrius, and he wanted to, like, be a mediator between Philip and Alexander. So he kind of, kind of brokered this, you know, peace accord between father and son to bring them back into, you know, into league with each other after about six months. So after, uh, after about a year, there was a Persian governor who offered his, uh, oldest daughter to Alexander's half brother. And, a uh, Alexander didn't really like this. And so there was this whole, like, you know, it was back again. They were like trying to make the like peace with the Persians, and Alexander and Philip kind of were not really into that because they wanted to attack the Persians. 
rather than, you know, be friends with them and make peace with them. So uh, in following the summer of 336 BC, uh, Philip was assassinated by the captain of his bodyguards. His bodyguards had had enough of him. And For real? That was the reason? Yeah. Mm, not was so sure it, though? <laughs> was it, though? <laughs> you know Angelina Jolie was in on that shit. Yeah. His, if you watch the Alexander movie, which I wouldn't recommend, but... Uh, <laughs> I've heard it is a pile of garbage. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far, but it is... Uh, it's Oh, my God, it's boring. But um, I subscribe to, personally that uh, Alexander's um, mom mm-hmm. was 100% in on this killing. And uh, like the, the details behind it are so shady. Like they go, I'm not sure if you're going into it or not, but like they chase down these people who, who killed him and then immediately kill them so they can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like they kill his kid with the, the other woman. There's like tons of murder yeah. uh, to secure his, Alexander's, place and um yeah the mom was in on it it's very much um uh what was that bodyguards were tired yeah. of him come on now <laughs> it's like that lion king it, lady that's very much a they killed him in the middle of a celebration too yeah they killed him at a party up. yeah and so it's yeah. that's that's very very plausible um that's very much like a uh, caligula's mom how caligula's mom got him in or uh, nero's mom actually it was nero's yep. mom not nero's and, mom yeah yeah nero's mom got party him in. and it wasn't even in korea <laughs> yeah, Nero's mom got a lot, killed a lot of motherfuckers. See, I learned. Wow, Juan throwing back a North Korea reference. I'm impressed. That's right. <laughs> you ever, yeah, if you ever want to get fucked by a gadonkey, go to a party in North Korea. <laughs> a gadonkey? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a goat donkey? No, a, a donkey. <laughs> uh. I have mush mouth, and I don't know why. Today's just one of those oh. days. <laughs> So, um, yeah, actually, as Philip was running, he tripped over a vine while they were attacking him. He was running, tripped over a vine, and then, you know, his attackers uh, finished him I thought that was... I thought that was the guy who killed Philip that tripped over. Oh, you're right. It is. It was. I read that wrong. My bad. My notes. I've read my notes wrong. You're right. right. It was Panasius. I think... I can't say that name. It's P-A-U-S-A-N-I-A-S. These Greek names are a little bit tricky for someone with mush mouth. But a... uh, Yeah, Alexander was proclaimed king on the spot by the nobles in the army at the age of 20 after rallying support, using his popularity with the army to get rid of anybody else who opposed him. So he was now the king of Macedon, and, you know, he had a lot of power and influence, and he had a really good reputation being a really, really good military commander. So we're going to pause on... Uh, Alexander here for just a bit because just to give a little back story, I kind of thought Adam would want to get into this because he brought it up last time we talked about Thermopylae. The Greeks were really into pederasty. Oh yeah. Big fans. Yeah. Of what? Pederasty. Fucking dudes. Fucking kids. Greek men. Fucking boys. Yeah. Greek men would like to have sex with young boys and they found the younger prepubescent boys to be the most attractive. So once a boy started growing facial hair or his voice started to change, he was considered unattractive. Uh, so all Greek men were considered to be bisexual. 
And clearly being a pedophile was not taboo in Greece. Uh, Greek men would also be married to a woman, but they often slept apart. And then uh, probably they did that to facilitate the disturbing amount of boy diddling, I would think. I mean, mm-hmm. that's uh, so... I also was thinking if Is that a tactical term, boy diddling? Yeah. Yeah, it is like diddling, yeah, it's actually a technical term. That is creepy as fuck. Yeah, it's oh dude, it's it gets creepier. So um creepier. Would, yeah, so it dude, if, imagine if that was going on, if you were a therapist back then, you would make a killing off of all these traumatized children. Yeah, it's no wonder life was so cheap back then as people were fucking miserable from day one. Yeah, and then not to mention the helots too. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, like, if you're a boy, you're just oh, always man. looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So You um, never drop the soap in Greece. Yeah. Well, here, uh, I found an article talking about pedastry in Greece, and it says uh, it probably originated with the Cretans. The Cretan pedera- to the Cretans, pederasty was an early form of pedophilia that involved, this is the disturbing part, it would involve ritual kidnapping of a boy from an elite background by an aristocratic adult male with the consent of the boy's father. Jesus. The kidnap and rape of a child? Yep. So the a, dad was a, like, a child ah! was sold out by his own dad. So a, ch- a guy who noticed like some other young boy would go to this guy's dad and be like, hey, can I like have your boy? And if the dad agreed, then he would kidnap that boy and take him away, and oh, that's just Did so. Did he get disturbing. paid for that, or is it just like a? Go ahead. So then he would take the boy out into the wilderness, where they would spend two months hunting and feasting, trying to become friends and learning life skills together. Uh, it, sure. it is generally assumed that the abuser would begin having sex with the boy immediately after taking him out into the wilds. Yeah. So not the most uh, evolved of civilizations. No. That's right. So this whole society comes out of that. Yeah. So then so uh, then eventually, um, if the boy, after all of this two months, was pleased with how this went, he would change his status to change his status to be like a comrade of the guy of his kidnapper. And this signified that he metaphorically fought in battle alongside with his abuser. And then they went back to society together and lived with each other. So basically they would just Stockholm syndrome, these kids into loving them. Yeah. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. Wow. I told you it got dark. That's fucking as dark as it gets. Yeah. It's, Oh my, it's, I I was like, I don't, why, what? (laughs) I was like, this is so, Oh, it's disturbing. And actually that reminds me. So, Several years ago, I was talking with someone and they were talking about how like something we were talking about Greek culture or whatever. And uh, I don't remember how the conversation got to this point, but pederasty came up and I made a comment of how it was disgusting and vile. And I was like, it's just like pedophilia is disgusting and disturbing. And this other individual straight up one of the most disturbing things I've ever heard, a, I've ever heard a woman say, cause it was a woman and she said, well, it was culturally acceptable at the time. So I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> and I went, what? And she said, well, it was accepted in that culture. So, I mean, like if it was accepted in our culture, who would care? I was like, what? No, that shouldn't be culturally acceptable ever. Like kidnapping and raping of a boy. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, that is actually 
surprisingly uh, relevant to today's times with people going back and and holding people from the past to 2020 standards. Like if, if we did that, basically all statues, all names of libraries, like everything would be changed because yeah. basically the farther you go back in time, the more monstrous people were. Yes. And like, it's like, <laughs> like the, like the USC Spartans, like they're going to go, like they were hop, killing hoplites left and right. Yeah. Like anything to do with, uh, the Romans, they, they had their own problems. Obviously ancient Greece had all their problems. Like there's no there's no society back then that's clean. No, it just just doesn't exist. Right. So um, ours isn't either. It's just slimier. It's just oh I don't know. I think we've we've progressed we've okay. infinitely there, while compared to what the the ancient history was. Right. Well, just by the simple comparison of our culture as a whole looks down on pedophiles and does not accept pedophiles. That is advancement. Like while there unfortunately still are pedophiles and people who molest children, which is disturbing and it's terrible and they need to figure out a better way to prosecute them and actually keep them away from kids rather than just letting them out of jail after two or three years, which is one of the most disturbing things about our justice system. Like guys who sell weed get 15 years, but guys who diddle kids get three years and then let out again. It's awful. It's fucked up. So like it has, we have come along, which is great. But the fact that an intelligent person that I know like shrugged it off as no big deal, it was one of the most frustrating conversations I've ever had with a person. I was like, "How can you defend this?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see how you can defend it. That being said, that you can say that about any culture. Mm-hmm. You can say that about any culture throughout time. And like I said, if you if you compare any culture from the past to today's culture. And they're gonna look like monsters. Yeah, I mean, and that's, as, that, I that's like right. that argument, like the the whole like if you were in Nazi Germany during World War II, would you have done something? And you were German, and like everyone, everyone says, of course I would have done something. I would have, I would have spoke up. I'd have fought against it, even if it cost me my life. Mm-hmm. But in reality, like less than two percent of people actually will speak up in that time. So everyone thinks there would be a hero, and they'd stand for these morals. But in reality, it's very, very, very uncommon. So it's, I get what that person was saying. Uh, I mean, it's not a hill I would want to die on. Yeah. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I mean, you just can't compare people from the past to our morality. It's just, they were raised in a completely different way. They didn't, uh, I'm not defending it, but... <laughs> But I understand where that person's coming from. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, prostitution <laughs> was also commonplace, and Mary men like freaked Epstein, it. man. Huh? It's like Epstein. Yeah. It's prosti- the upper crust. Yeah. They the youngest pie. You know what I mean? It's nasty. Yeah. yeah. So prostitution was very, really popular. Guys were just putting their dicks in everything, apparently, and also masturbation. No. Yeah. Masturbation was super common in ancient Greece, and it was seen as a way to relieve sexual frustration. So not much has changed. Um, Yeah, I was gonna say that's. But interestingly enough, among the elites in Greece, they saw it as a waste of time and a waste of semen. But I guess when you can buy or kidnap and rape whoever you want, you would think of it that way. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of interesting. But a there was a guy named. That's so like arrogant. Yeah. 
There was a guy in Greece called Diogenes the Cynic who routinely masturbated in public and defended his actions by saying, quote, if only it were as easy to banish hunger by rubbing my belly. Is he the one that lived in a pot? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, I think that might be him. He like lived in a pot, like acted like a dog all the time, would just masturbate constantly. Yeah, I think that's he was like a, he was a philosopher. Like a lot of people loved him, a lot of people hated him. Yeah, but I think that's who that is. He, he, <laughs> so he was censored, not for masturbating in public, but for eating in the agora. So, eating in the agora was more shameful. To the Greeks than jerking off in public, which it is, is the pot guy. I looked it up, which is super weird. So different times, different strokes. They probably for different liked folks. it though in that society. I get. I mean, it's such a hypersexualized like culture. That, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be offensive to them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, you can poke a little boy in the butt without <laughs> his permission. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna have a problem with that. Yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, that guy was like a super weirdo, but he had some good points. Like he actually, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Alexander the Great. I don't know if it's come up later, where he meets this guy, and he kind of just tells him off. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, like yeah, like I don't, he's like, I don't. He's like, I think something to the effect of like, you don't know who I am. He's like, wait, you don't know who I am. I was like, ooh, that's a baller move. <laughs> yeah, it is a baller move. <laughs> I want to say he does that to Alexander the Great. It might be some other really famous person. Well, I didn't find that in my Alexander research, but it's still. I mean, there's a lot about Alexander the Great to get into. It's not like, you know, there's only half a book on this guy. There's a lot. Uh, One thing you actually have to remember about the Greek culture is that in Greek mythology, in their religion, sex and rape were actually very common in their religious stories. So I don't know if you... Oh, yeah. Zeus was raping people left and or right. Yeah. Zeus had sex with... As a human or an animal. Yeah. Zeus had sex with everyone and everything. And in the stories, he would disguise himself as a swan or a fish or a rain cloud, and he would rape men and women. And Zeus... Yeah. uh, Speaking of Zeus and Alexander the Great, there is a legend that Zeus uh, turned himself into an anaconda and impregnated Alexander's mother with Alexander before Alexander was born. And according to the story, um, Alexander's dad, Philip, he looked in the room and saw her having sex with this snake and got angry. So then in the next battle, he actually... Philip did get wounded. He got like injured, an eye injury. And so everyone said that was Zeus punishing him for watching him have sex with his wife. Naturally. And it was Diogenes that met Alexander the Great. And the quote that I fucked up where I was like, not like who, like you don't know who I am. It's what he says. is So they meet and Alexander says, if I was not Alexander's, I would want to be Diogenes. And Diogenes replies, uh, if I were not Diogenes, I'd still want to be Diogenes. Like, <laughs> Pretty baller. Yeah. Pretty baller. Yeah. But yeah, filthy animal that guy was. So, Alex- <laughs> Famous in his own time, though. And all before phones with really good cameras. Man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks, Juan, for bringing that into this. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the group of representatives from... All of the Greek city-states gathered to vote on whether or not they would unite to invade Persia. And they unanimously voted that they would all fight together and that Alexander would lead the united army. 
So while Alexander was massing the troops, uh, yeah, Pers- uh, to invade Persia, Alexander sent, spent some time bringing wayward city-states under his control. At one point, there was a rumor that Alexander had died in battle and Thebes revolted against Macedon. And once Alexander heard this news, he pushed his troops to march 240 miles in just two weeks. Damn. And when he, yeah. And when he arrived at Thebes, they refused to rejoin his alliance. So Alexander laid siege to the city and then got sick of laying siege to the city and burned it to the ground. And then anybody that survived, he sold as slaves. And so because not to be fucked with, bro. Exactly. And so because of this, the rest of the Greek city states just submitted, and none of the Greeks uh, resisted Alexander from then on. They were like, "Mm, message well sent and received, Captain. (laughs) Exactly. He he literally burned it to the ground. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so he was. He definitely sent the message, don't mess with me, and everybody heard it loud and clear. So Persia had been a thorn in the side of the Greeks for well over 100 years. Uh, the Battle of Thermopylae, which we talked about in a previous episode, uh, had taken place 124 years before Alexander was born. And Persia was the era's superpower. They controlled land from Egypt you know, all the way to India. It, it was big, you know, parts of Afghanistan, you know, big, big, big chunk of territory, Iran, Iraq, huge, huge amount of territory for the time before the Romans, they were like one of the biggest empires to exist. So I don't understand about that is like they owned a ton of territory, but a lot of it was fucking desert. Who cares? Yeah. Let them have it. I don't understand. I know I've never understood that. How like it's even in Roman times like they're like oh we want to go take over uh, you know, the I'm not sure if there were Persians at the time but like that area uh, I'm like why yeah I don't I really don't get it like why not go you know into like Russia or Kazakhstan or or Hungary like those areas that have some farmable land like I I just never understood why people always wanted to take over. You know, Syria, Iraq, yeah. Iran, like that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, well, the Persians, but they do it over and over again. The Persians, the Persian Empire, was, Babylon was from Iraq and Iran. So they grew up, I should say, they originated in the uh, plateaus of Iran. And so then they, then they expanded out into the deserts of Iraq and Syria and all that. And then they established Babylon. And so, like, they came from that area. So that was, like, their deal. But you're right. I didn't, like, I forget which Roman emperor it was. It was one of the, it was one of the Julian dynasty guys but i can't remember he went and sent a bunch of troops into asia and they never really got anywhere and i was always like why there's so much better stuff like go go south to ethiopia there was a huge empire there they could have fought against you know but they they were just like no we're gonna go to asia and i was like i never i didn't understand that what the big draw for that was sounds like a game of risk needs to happen yeah, (laughs) (laughs) i i also i also wonder if at the time there was like merchants and exports coming from like China and India that they really wanted for themselves. Like the Silk Road, like kind of a thing. Yeah. They wanted to develop that. I maybe that's, that's the only thing that I've ever thought could be like a plausible reason. Cause to want, cause like they knew people were there and they were bringing all these exotic spices and goods. So they may have been like, Oh, we want to take that over and rule that area too. 
Because other or maybe like the land was way more fertile back then, and it just got farmed to shit. Well, that where like, that's actually pot. possible. Because have you? I don't know if you've. I was you know over the past couple of years, um, I was doing watching some youtube video about you know science in the sahara desert and they mm-hmm. there's this the sahara desert has been expanding rapidly for the past couple of years and there's like literally nothing that can stop it like every time every year like you know it just kills all the growth and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the sahara desert has been growing and getting bigger for hundreds of years and so theoretically i would think that maybe iran and iraq were a lot more hospitable you know four thousand years ago Maybe there was, I'm sure there was some deserts and stuff out there then, but I bet you they were a lot smaller. And then over the years for that desert, I don't know what, there's a term for it. I forget what the term is, but the deserts just kept on expanding. And I bet you it was a lot different back then. Oh, I, I, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's the only thing that, that's the only thing that makes sense is like these deserts were constantly changing and these areas were more valuable because like, why would any civilization because they say Persians were like a dominant force for a long time, and the majority of their territory kind of sucked. Yeah. Like, if they were so dominant, why wouldn't they go take out more fertile areas? Yeah, com- so I'm thinking that they must have been better at one point. They must have. Because the by comparison to the Greeks, the Persians had a more advanced culture. They The Greeks had more advanced military, but the Persians had more advanced like mathematics and science and, you know, a lot of the more cultural stuff. The Greeks were like more military dominate, but the Persians just had vast numbers and they were like, they had like an empire of trade that at the time nobody could rival. They dominated like the trade around the globe. And so they, wait to get- it was a reason they were a superpower. Right. So, but I mean, every empire comes to an end eventually. And so Alexander was dead set on getting rid of Persia. And so they, yeah. Um, yeah. By comparison, Greek was just this small little peninsula and a few islands of just some city states. And they weren't for like the past few hundred years, they hadn't fought together. And so the Persians didn't really see them as much of a threat, but Alexander knew that his men were better trained and better equipped than the Persians. And he believed that a superior trained fighting force could defeat a larger one, which is actually really true. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, uh, since the, also another thing that didn't help the Persians was since the battle of Thermopylae, the Persian military had become complacent and it lacked discipline severely. And they also didn't have any cavalry. Alexander's forces had archers, hoplites, heavy cavalry, and javelin throwers. So, and yeah. And so really all the Persians had was archers and predominantly they just had infantry. So... They were definitely outclassed. So in the year 333 BC, Alexander began his conquest by marching south through Syria and Israel, and he conquered Egypt and established the city of Alexandria in Egypt and then set himself up as the pharaoh, which was really significant for the time because at what that point... Badass. Oh, yeah. And at that point, Walk Egypt had been... Yeah. Yeah. Egypt had been... Um, like uh, conquered by the Persians and revolted against the Persians like two or three times. And the Persians keep kept coming back and taking it over. So he basically was like, I want something of the Persians. So he went and took Egypt, which they were like, I'm sure <laughs> Darius the third was like, damn it. 
Yeah. Because that was like one of their like, they had like a great bread basket. Yeah, literal bread basket. And so that was a huge blow to the Persians. So um, after this, Alexander, you know, this took obviously took a few years. It takes time to move armies across, you know, the ancient world when there's no roads, especially. There weren't really roads back then. The Romans were the ones who started. Well, there, there were some roads, but the Romans expanded on it greatly and they improved them. So uh, Alexander then turned to Persia and marched across the desert or whatever was there, <laughs> probably some desert. And uh, he assaulted Persia, you know, western part of the Persian Empire. And uh, his first encounter with King Darius III, uh, Darius uh, freaked out and he fled so quickly that he left his wife and his children behind. <laughs> and Darius, Darius's mother publicly disowned him for fleeing and then she publicly adopted Alexander as her son giving Alexander you know credit and as to claim the th- throne of the king of Persia but yeah no pressure there yeah. I'm sure that she just did that willingly <laughs> so then a uh, he had to defeat uh, Darius first so like he had already came in he'd taken Babylon so Darius then being the coward that he was, he tried to sue for peace, and Alexander said, "Get lost." He was like, "No thanks." Uh, you, d- you know, he's like, "I don't want to," you know, just sue for peace. He's like, "I want your whole empire." So then, in 331 BC, a large Persian force led by Darius met Alexander, and they were heavily defeated by Alexander's forces. Again, like basically everywhere he. When Alexander never lost a battle, according to record, Alexander legitimately never lost a battle. So Darius then fled again, which is insane. Yeah, which is crazy. Constantly going up like undermanned. Yeah, but I mean that just shows you how advanced the Greeks' military was, and really a big reason for that was the phalanx. They had the shield wall with their spears, and obviously they took losses, but not in the numbers that they inflicted. For sure. It does blow my mind, though. Like, it almost makes you wonder, like, were these numbers accurate? Like, the, the numbers that the Persians had, the numbers that they had. Like, and, and if that is the case, like, he must have just been, like, the absolute best at, like, whenever they did take over a territory, he's like, look, you guys can join us to be part of, like, the, the right side of history, or we'll just kill you. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, on board. Like, how else would you keep your numbers up going battle after battle after battle? Well, we'll get into that here in a little bit on how he would do that. So the second time him and Darius fought, Darius fled again, but Darius's own men caught up to him. Oh, my gosh. And then they killed him for being a coward. So King Darius III was killed by his own men. So they brought the body of Darius back to Alexander, who was in Babylon, you know, after he went back to Babylon. And Alexander showed that he was an honorable man and he gave King Darius a royal funeral. And then he told the men who had killed Darius that they shouldn't have killed their king and he had them tortured and executed. Kind of unfair. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, these guys probably are like, oh, hey, he's going to like reward us for killing his enemy. (laughs) Yeah, but then he wanted to remind them, don't kill the boss. Exactly. 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 So, so. yeah. So now Alexander has a good chunk of Persia and he can claim the throne and he went to go claim the throne in Babylon, but there was another Persian leader leader named Bessius and he uh, claimed it first. And so 
by like line of succession and how like the Persian uh, political system worked, he was considered the new king of Persia. He was, and the this was. Yeah, this was this was his biggest and last mistake. Uh, Alexander's forces quickly chased him and caught up to him, and then, but before he, uh, Alexander's forces could overwhelm Bessus' forces, Bessus' own men turned him over to Alexander, and Alexander took him back to the city and tortured him and killed him. So now there was nobody to stop Alexander, and he claimed the crown and the rule over Persia. So. This guy from a small little city state in Greece had now defeated and conquered the biggest superpower in the world at the time with about 50,000 men. Pretty insane. Yeah. And made himself a pharaoh on the way. Yeah, and made himself a pharaoh on the way. (laughs) So he, like Greek, he turned Greek from like a mixture of city states into a full-blown empire. And for now, for, for now. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, you know, the Persian empire that had been a thorn in his side and, you know, his people's side for hundreds of years was now just a full on Greek territory. And Alexander took steps to make this change as easy as possible. He allowed the Persians large amounts of freedoms and let them govern themselves and worship their own gods. As long as they stayed loyal to him and paid tribute. He also didn't force them to adopt, you know, their Greek culture, or their religion, which a lot of other like tyrannical rulers would do at the time, which you get a lot more uprisings with you do that. And then Alexander is a show of good faith, uh, started adopting Persian customs for himself. This made him super unpopular with his own men though. Mm-hmm. The Persian. That's when he fucks that Rosario Dawson girl. How could you dude? Have you seen Rosario Dawson? Yeah, but like that's that's one of the things that he got him in a lot of trouble. He starts uh, like uh, accepting a lot of their customs, yeah. marrying some of their women, mm-hmm. and that's like in the movie Alexander. That's when he marries Rosario Dawson, who's like a foreign queen, yeah, and uh, gets him in a lot of hot water. I think he, I think uh, at least in the movie version, totally I was worth say it. He's probably weighed that in balance. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Way better than those hoplite kids he's been fucking. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So Wow. Uh, his, right to the it. The per Yeah, the Persians loved Alexander for this and the his own men really you know, a big wedge was starting to form between him and his own troops. So uh, to make matters worse, one evening uh one of Alexander's like closest officers uh got into an argument with him while they were both drunk. As we said earlier, Alexander was a huge drinker, raging alcoholic. And so Mm -hmm. his, uh, one of his men insulted him for adopting the Persian customs and marrying Persian women. And Alexander flew into a rage and killed him. But this only made things more tenuous between him and his troops. So now his troops are like, wait a minute. Now he's killing us. So Alexander, not to mention he's kept him out on this campaign for several years. By th- They're like, hey, why are we doing this? By this time, it was something like eight years. So these yeah. guys have been away from home for about eight or nine years. They haven't seen their families. Eight or nine. They've, they've amassed all this wealth. But after eight or nine years, you're going to want to go home. Like, you- Yeah. I mean, what, what the hell is wealth worth whenever you're like, 
uh, every battle I go into, I could lose all of this wealth and never even get to enjoy it. Right. And then also on top of that, like as a soldier, after, I mean, after a year, you would be sick and tired of sleeping in like a stinky tent with a bunch of other dudes and then you're like going from place to place. Like, okay, you conquered Babylon and you kick some people out of their homes and you take it, but it's not your home. Like, Mm-hmm. everyone has that innate desire where they're going to want to return home, take their wealth with them and just have like a peaceful rest of their life. Cause they're like, wow, I'm one of the fortunate ones that didn't die. Like, you know, my buddy in the exactly. platoon or whatever. So there's all this. That's why Mark wants to go to live in Israel. Exactly. And it's retire. Yeah, exactly. And my advice to everyone is retire as early as possible. So you can enjoy some of your life as the grandfather of the three. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm gonna. Well, you gotta have you gotta have money to be able to do that. Yeah. So, Mark, let's let's go start conquering tomorrow. Yeah. And a couple of years, we'll be able to retire. I say we start with this guy who seems like he'd be very easy to conquer up in Michigan somewhere. Yeah, Michigan's and, a pretty uh, weak place. He's got some artwork and some knives that could be worth some money. <laughs> and um, we'll start there and we'll move on. Eventually, after let let's make it like a ten year plan because in ten years I won't even be fifty. So I'll, I'd like to retire at like 48 and then I'll just retire <laughs> to Israel and you can go wherever you want. Like, I don't know, Thailand, Vietnam. Interesting that you put those kind of uh, options in my head. I'd rather, if I'm going to retire, I have to retire somewhere where either they speak English mm-hmm. or they speak a language that would be easy enough to learn, which would have to be like, like Mexico. So or, let me tell you about this wonderful country. <laughs> But like as a wealthy, fat American retiring, Costa Rican. <laughs> What's that place where um, that crazy guy who owns like McAfee, he lives like a whole bunch of um, like rich Americans move there because they have like no rules at all. And uh, it's like a, like a tropical paradise, but and it's like super cheap to live and you can basically do whatever you want. What? I what have not heard place? of this. Where is like that guy, like that McAfee guy lives there. I'll look it up. It's probably Costa Rica. <laughs> or Panama. I'm sure it's some We lived in American Panama for country. a little bit. You remember your Panama days, Juan? Nope, not at all. Were you singing Panama by Van oh, Halen? Oh, my when you God, there? no. <laughs> it, it's, it's Belize. Oh, okay. yeah, man. Belize. Belize. A lot of booty, though. Belize is yeah. nice. a lot of booty down there. Exactly. It's supposed to be beautiful and it's supposed to be really cheap. And like I said, there's like not a whole lot of rules. Found pop mm-hmm. girls especially, everywhere. especially if you have money. What'd you I say, mean, Juan? Found pop girls everywhere. What's Less a, than a dollar. What's a fountain pop girl? Oh my god. I'm glad I did not know what that was. <laughs> Yeah, after well, last week, Juan making himself a champion of women. <laughs> yeah. I do love the ladies. We knew that shit wasn't going to last. <laughs> if we ever get canceled, at least I'll know what episode and why. <laughs> yeah. That just loves me. That's good. But like, if I had to retire, I'd retire somewhere like that. Like somewhere that's like just inexpensive to live, mm-hmm. like gorgeous. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to deal with the crime or anything. A lot of that. people do I mean, retire so. in Costa Rica, though. A lot of Americans do. Because of those, because of those I reasons. Why, I don't see why not. I mean, like, you can retire there. It's like a third of the cost. So, like, basically, it extends mm-hmm. your retirement, you know, a third. 
and living yeah. like uh, pretty yeah. much very comfortably. Oh yeah. I, mean, I know a guy here in Houston who's a lawyer and he's going to him and his family they're going to retire in Medellin, Colombia cuz his wife's from Colombia and he said they've already, He really loves coke. Uh he, <laughs> He, he said um, in Medellin, they've already figured it out. Him and his wife can live there with like full service. They can have maids, housekeepers, everything, buy a house, $1,200 a month, everything for the rest of his life. It's insanity. I was like, he goes, he goes, my retirement will go so far there. I was like, that mm-hmm. is crazy. And he's been there before. Like his, he's met his wife there. They've been there a bunch of times. And so he's like, I cannot wait. I was like, that's actually a really, really solid plan. He said, like, is the weather there, he said the hottest it ever gets is, like, 77, 78. The coldest it gets is, like, in the 50s and 60s. He said the climate's what? perfect. Oh, yeah. And that it does has sound the most great. dangerous gang in the entire world, MS-13, running the whole show. <laughs> Welcome to town. <laughs> yeah. Guess what his job is as a lawyer? Defense I thought MS-13 was El Salvadorian. They're, they're El Salvadorian, yeah. He actually works with some people in MS-13. Like, people who get he, he part of his job is has to do something with ms-13 yeah well i figured he must be feeling pretty safe to move right there <laughs> and i thought you i know, had friends the one places jeez man. <laughs> <laughs> that is the one major downside to all those countries yeah is that they're not the safest no not the safest by a long shot yeah it's a shame it is a dang shame because they're beautiful like places, you know, but kind of like women, like the better it. looking they are, the more dangerous and evil they are. <laughs> Sorry, hot chicks. You're just nothing but problems. <laughs> we'll put up with it though. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the South Korea dictatorship to fall apart. And I'll just go live in Pyongyang and you live like North a, Korea. A free... Did I say South yeah, Korea? I meant to say Korea. North Korea. North Korea. You could go live like a king in North Korea if it opened up, I'm sure. I want my unicorn. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I want my unicorn, though, if I'm going to move there. (laughs) They have a unicorn layer. And I never want to pee again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, like, think about it. If you work remote, like if you're one of those people who are a designer or, or any job that can work remote... Why not live in one of those countries? Oh yeah, yeah. My cousin is one of those um, like specialized nurses that travels. Wait, we went off on a tangent. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. She has a job like that where she's she's traveling three, four weeks, almost all month. So everything she makes is everything she's doing is covered, and then she mm-hmm. makes this pretty decent amount of money as a specialized traveling nurse. She just like. She's like, I don't know if I want to retire early or just like take a couple years and travel and then go back. I'm like, it's like, you know, but that's what you can do when you're remote. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, when I was in Israel, in the hostel I stayed at, um, in one of the rooms I stayed, there was a woman the, uh, who was in the bunk next to me. Um, she would like get up and like get back from like the city or whatever and like work on a computer for a few hours. And I was like, Hey, you mind if I ask what you're doing? She's like, Oh no, I, I work remotely. And so she's like, I just travel. She's like, I, I live in Spain right now, but she's like, I'm coming over here to the middle East for a few months and traveling. And I was like, Oh, that's super cool. She's like, where are you from originally? And I was like, well, originally America. I was like, right now I live in Houston. She's like, Oh, well, I'm originally from Houston. I was like, what? So like huh. we, we chatted for a little bit about that. I was like, that's cool. I was like, so this is what you do. She's like, yeah, she's like, I just wanted, you know, she had been to like Asia and Australia previously. And she's like, I can basically go wherever I want, you know, as long as they have internet. I was like, that's dope. That's super cool. 
That's pretty badass, yeah. So, yeah. So back to Alexander. Uh, he believed that a uh, the best way to heal the rift between him and his troops would be to make his empire even bigger. So he took his troops, who were already 9,000 miles away from home. Yeah, they were 9,000 miles away from home. On foot. Yeah, on foot. It literally took them years to get there. That's how far away it was. So he took them and marched them further east, further away from home, because he wanted to conquer India. Yep. Yeah. So it's greedy. He got into India and fought and defeated many tribes, and then he extended them the same liberties that he had given to the Persians, until he encountered uh, King Horus of Haraba, and the this king in India had a secret weapon: war elephants. Elephants. Yep. So yeah. so dope. Yeah. So initially, the Greeks were terrified of these giant animals they'd never seen before until mm-hmm. Alexander figured out that he could use his cavalry because the cavalry was so much faster than the elephants. So he would send his troops in. The elephants would start decimating his hoplites and archers. And then he would send the cavalry around and around behind and they would encircle the elephants and wipe out the elephants. So taking some losses, he uh, uh, did defeat this king, but, you know, it cost him some because he, you know, I mean, you're fighting elephants. <laughs> yeah. I want to say he got like major injured like in one of those fights. He did. He got injured on the way to Egypt. And I believe it was in Syria. He got injured again in Egypt, I believe. And he got injured again in India. He got injured a few yeah. times because he actually did fight in his own battles. He wasn't like King Darius the Tip of the spear. Yeah, I think right. one of the scariest he, things I've ever seen was this video of a, uh, like a carnival elephant that just lost it. Dude, mm-hmm. its strength was just... It's fucking horrifying. It was just oh, yeah. grabbing shit that you wouldn't think it could even like, pull it up and throw it like it was nothing. It was throwing people like they were like rags, like nothing. It was just like, yeah. that is scary. It was just walking where it wanted and it was stepping on cars, throwing stuff to the side. I mean, whole cars, man. Just grab it by the trunk, yeah. flip that shit right over like nothing. So I can imagine them being scared. Like, and if they had never seen something like that, yeah. shit, that set you back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you can't just I've shoot actually, an arrow in it. I mean, oh no, <laughs> it's too thick, right? Well, it'll. Did somebody play break stuff by Limp Biscuit into its huge ears and like <laughs> fuck this and start going wild? No, but next time I watch that video, I'm gonna play that in the background. I think I'm. Gonna... Yeah. <laughs> hey man, it's just one of those days. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, once this battle was over, Alexander insisted that they march even further into India and conquer all of it. He was obsessed with conquering all of it. And you could see why his guys would be getting pissed. Dude, it's nine years. We're just keep walking away. Like, are we just going around? What are we doing? Like, you know, (laughs) yeah. And dying. Now your friends are dying. You've been with them for nine years. And then you wonder, are we going to just die out here? Yeah. Yeah. So. So this uh, uh, led to sort of a breaking point between him and his men. Uh, His men were exhausted, and they basically were like, we are not going any farther, and at minimum, we're going to stop and take a break. They were like, we're not going any farther. We want to go home, but at minimum, take a break. So he, he listened to his men, and he granted them a break for a while. And so then 
Alex, he also knew that there was a lot of animosity between the Greeks and the Persians because of hundreds of years of war with each other. So he knew there was a lot of resentment between the Persians and the Greeks. And he had been already like kind of intermingling the Greeks and the Persians because he was trying to build this unity but he knew that I was going to be really tough. So he had this brilliant idea. Well, not so brilliant idea. He told his officers that they all had to marry Persian princesses. So he forced all of his officers to marry women that they didn't want to marry because they hated, you know, Persians. And he was like, in Alexander's mind, they would have sons and daughters that would be loyal to him. So the Greek officers told Alexander that uh, they would just straight up mutiny and rebel against him if he made them do that. And so then Alexander basically kicked all of his Greek officers out of the military and replaced them all with Persians. Bold move. Yeah. Dude, this dude, when, when you piss this dude off, he finds the nastiest way to say, fuck you. <laughs> and then yeah. applies that. That's just about the dirty thing. I play yeah. on that book. Damn. Yeah. So he really, I mean, the guy was bold and he was smart, but he did not know how to keep his ambition in check and he didn't know how to keep his men happy. So finally he saw that his army was just tearing itself apart and he uh, said, okay, fine, we're done. And he went back to Babylon and he took all of his Greek officers, gave them their positions back and kicked out all the Persian officers, but it was too little too late. And so uh, finally at the age of 32, Alexander died mysteriously. Uh, it is speculated, and it was actually, it was after he returned to Babylon and he threw a big party to try and please his men, and it didn't work. And it is believed that either some of his officers killed him or he died of malaria. <coughs> I'm, I'm on. I heard that he died of alcohol poisoning. Well, he drank, a, what it was is he drank a bowl of wine. And so some people think that it was. Uh, poison wine and some people think it was just bad wine. I'm on the side of believing that these people were just sick of him and they poisoned his wine because I mean it's been now it had been now 10 years. Well they know he's going to drink it. They know it's an alcohol. It's a guarantee. Right. It's a guarantee that he's going to drink it and they are sick and tired of being this far away from home. So he died and immediately all of his generals started fighting amongst each other and his empire fell apart very quickly because they all wanted to be the sole ruler. And it just became like the previous Greek thing of just Greeks fighting Greeks and Mm -hmm. the whole thing fell apart, which led the doors to open for the Romans to come in and the Roman empire came of this. And actually if he had like stopped with Persia and sent the troops back, they would have been ready for the Romans and the Roman Empire would have never existed. Well, yeah, or if, if he, like, that's where I just remembered something. So yeah, he's a super prick. So like to punish his troops for go, for saying like they're done fighting endless war, mm-hmm. he goes, he's like, instead of going back the, the right way, we're going to march through the desert and fucking kill tons of people and torture you because you had the audacity to question me. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah. Yes. That's another reason why I, and you can't push some the button to the people ki- not seeing their him. family or even their wives or girlfriends for nine years and then tell them they got to marry these bitches over here. Like, that's the kind of stuff that only gets you through nine years. You know, that yeah. connection with mm-hmm. the people back home and then to be able to like throw that monkey wrench in there is like, you are the most self-centered person I've ever fucking seen. Like, they, they're not dumb. They realize that they're doing that. He's doing that to have offspring that will like worship and follow him like that's 
Yeah, that's where you just go, okay, I'm not even in the equation anymore. I'm just part of a pawn. I'm a pawn. You know, yeah. and so then they're going to get pissed. You're cannon fodder. Yeah. yeah. And especially with well, the way yeah. that and they were treated when they did anything to oppose him or question him. Right. So. Yeah, he had, he definitely had a serious ego. If you had kept oh, yeah. that in check a little better, though, like you said, and then yeah. actually gave a shit whether his troops, you know, saw their families or were arrested or yeah. whatever, it would have been so much more successful long term, probably. The thing that I don't under like, obviously, creating an empire is a tenuous situation, and his his big thing was trying to keep the Persians from rebelling against him, which he did a halfway decent job of doing. Like they didn't, there wasn't like a huge uprising to get, rebel against him. What the dude was thirty two when he died. Like I don't understand. I mean, obviously, he he had a huge ego and he thought differently. But for like, a, you know, an armchair, stri- you know. Stri- strategic point of view my thought would be like why don't you after you conquer persia send a good number of your guys home ask for more troops that's going to take time you know figure out build an army of loyal persians and then go conquest with new fresh people you know reward the people that have helped you and then get new people and then you can promise them glory and wealth and riches and whatever because you'll be like look i've rewarded my you're you're only going to inspire more loyalty by doing that. And then he could have lived on to his 50s, 60s, and 70s and conquered so much more of the world. But he wanted everything mm-hmm. now. It all had it was about him, and it had to be immediate. Like, he just couldn't get the idea out of his head. Like, he had to go conquer India, and it had to be, like, as soon as possible. 32 is really young to me. Yeah. I mean, that's scary. Young. Yeah. And all, like, the vast majority of that life was, like, nonstop Right, like, war. he was yeah. in battle his whole adult life. Yeah, the last 12 years of his life, 10 or 12 years of his life was just war. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. can just being at war for 12, like, I don't understand. Like, there's there's something different you about his You could never psyche, be normal obviously. again. No, because that was just you know, a decade, over a decade of just, like, being in battle and war. They had, there's some level of bloodlust to that. That's just mm-hmm. going to be a comfort common zone probably for you at that time. You can't reacclimatize to... Normal life, probably. But in, again, well, I don't understand. And maybe there was like stronger uh, forces to the north of Greece. Mm-hmm. Why the hell did they go through all the? Like, if you look at a map, it's like they go to all this desert territory. And if you look above them, like above Greece, there's like uh, modern day Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia, or all those. I mean, obviously, those weren't what they were called back then. Right. But there's all these different places that have way more useful land. Exactly. <laughs> and it's way well, maybe closer. Maybe they were limited yeah. by their military abilities. They weren't able to fight in those type of terrains maybe as you know, comfortably or something. I mean, I don't... Maybe. It's too many trees. Well, and, get, and land elevations. through a whole army yeah, through. I mean, when you try to go through an uncut maybe. forest, you can hardly walk through an uncut forest. I can't imagine trying to get horses a good or point. people through it. Yeah. In a desert, dude, you can just spread out, bro. Walk across. You it's know, really you're not going point. up and down hills. You'd have less fatigue. I mean, the, you have to deal with the heat, but I don't know. Maybe there's something to that, to their style of fighting that just made it easier for them to fight in that. And yeah, you might have cracked yeah. the nut. That is a good point because when the Romans were going into modern day Germany and fighting the Gauls, I read that there was a couple of times where, um, 
I forget which emperor it was. I don't remember if it was Augustus or somebody else, but he would send in the legions and they would cut the tree. They would just like pave roads through the forest. They would just in mass cut down all of this forest just so they could get through to attack the Gauls. Like they actually mm-hmm. had to d- do some deforestation or else they couldn't get their forces in there. And right. So there is some truth to that. And the Greeks were not at that level. Like the Greeks were not engineers and soldiers. The Roman legions were engineers and soldiers. The legions were like, we know how to build walls. We know how to build fortifications. We can tear stuff down. We can build bridges. And the Greeks were just like, eh, we, we're just going to go here and we got to find the best route possible. Right. So Juan, after Juan is something there. Yeah. Maybe. The wisdom of Juan. <clears throat> Well, I was just fat, and I was thinking, God, I wouldn't want to go up and down hills. and <laughs> probably just walk right across <laughs> that desert. There's some water there somewhere. Fair. I can drink some cactus juice, something, you know. Yeah. I'll eat a bug. Yeah. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so, but, like, literally looking on a map of, like, what the modern-day equivalent of all the territory he took over, mm-hmm. like, if I had to make a list of, like, top ten countries i would not want to take over or be responsible for yeah it's like it's the greatest hits list yeah like outside of for what egypt meant to the region at the time taking egypt is understandable because it's literally the thing that's going to feed your empire but everything else you don't there's no point (laughs) yeah it's modern day syria just going for square uh, footage lebanon iraq iran afghanistan uh pakistan yeah uh turkmenistan it's like none of these Countries seem appealing to me. And they wouldn't uh, have been after oil at that point. <laughs> no. Exactly. Maybe he just really liked brown women. Possibly. I would have headed to Brazil. He's got a little <laughs> He dick over Israel. Yeah. Central America, here I come. <laughs> Let's get some trees down. Need a path. <laughs> Latin booty. <laughs> it's just weird that's all i'm saying no it is super weird because like and obviously you know it's a, it was a different time and geography may have been a little bit different but still it's one of those things where like you're just like why why go over there like obviously i can understand wanting to take out persia because they were the thorn in the side but why india like you know why it was the same thing that the romans did we want to go to you know to into asia and conquer it why there's nothing there. <laughs> what about their food? I wonder what, like... Yeah. <laughs> well, Roman times, and maybe it was the same in uh, Greek times, is like that was where the money was. So maybe it's because of the, the, the Persians, that's where they were, and they, they went to the, to the east, and mm-hmm. they had collected all the money of all these different countries. And that's where the money was, I guess. That makes sense. And the like in Romania and all that stuff to the north, mm-hmm. those were just kind of like tribes that didn't have anything worth stealing. They were just kind of farmers. That's possible. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe one thing that makes kind of sense because uh, one thing Alexander did do once he conquered uh, Persia was he made uh, across his empire silver was a standard currency. He made a standardized silver currency, and that was like a first for you know people 
at the time. And so, cause like it used to be before, like each country or city state would have its own unique currency, whether it was bronze coins, silver coins, gold coins. And he said, well, look, we've got, I've conquered this huge empire. We're just going to make everything silver. And we're just going to make values of everything based upon the weight of the silver, which made the, the made his, made him wealthy and made the empire wealthy just by that, by standardizing everything, then he could control it. So that made his empire super wealthy. And then that gave them the ability to spread like Greek culture and their ideas and philosophies all across the world. But he, if he had just had a little bit, if I, I get the way I think about it is if he had listened to Aristotle a little bit more, his life would have been drastically different. He still would have been a successful general, but he probably would have lived a lot longer and conquered a whole lot more. Yeah. See, that's why I say that. I think if Cyrus, uh, not Cyrus, um, Philip would have been in charge because he was planning on doing this right before he got killed. Right. Like, and so he was, in my opinion, from my, like I said, basic knowledge, like I'm not a, like a, a ancient Greece expert, but from my basic knowledge and understanding what I've looked into, like he was way more moderate. Like he was definitely was wanting to take over a lot of territory, but he was way more moderate and he was way more reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, I'll, I'll take over a little bit at a time, make treaties as where Alexander was like, no, I'm, it's all or nothing kind of a thing. Willing to risk it all over and over and over again. Uh, which obviously worked for nine years plus. Yeah. But long term, you can only um, piss off so many people before they all realize they have something in common. There's more of them, and they all hate you. Well, there's still the pot. Like I said, this what I, what I, the, what I had heard was that he was he died of like just crazy drunkenness. Mm-hmm. I think the last one, like you said, it was like just like one cup or something like that. It was like that's what gives credence to the like the spiked theory alcohol. Yeah. yeah. But like he was constantly like doing this thing where it was like a a drinking competition where you were trying to drink as much as possible in the shortest amount of time. So he was like a raging, raging alcoholic drinker too, and on top of it, yeah. So like his body, like because right before he died, I want to say like he had a moment where he almost died relatively soon before he finally kicked the bucket. Think about it, like if you're destroying your body with alcohol every day. Oh, yeah. Like, like that, yeah. I mean, you're going to have a short yeah. life anyway. And for him, he was like super competitive about it, too. Like, he always had to be the one who drank the most. So, like, geez. Yeah. Or they could have gotten tired of him. Yeah, I, who knows? I mean, both are plausible. I just tend, at least for me, personally, I tend to think he was probably poisoned by... Because, I mean, think about it. If you were in one of his general's places, you are sick and tired. You're just like, I've had it. I want to go home. The timing is just too decade. perfect. Yeah, timing is just way too perfect. But they were on the way back whenever he died. Yeah, but I mean, you never know. Someone could have gotten overly ambitious or overly greedy. and Or maybe he had another drunken tirade where he yelled at everybody and berated them. And one of his generals was like, I've, I've had enough of this. You know, I mean, very possible. You know, I mean, obviously, there's no way to know. It's just, you know, theories at this point. But that's because they got are, away with it. That's why we don't yeah. know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And really the only general that came out of this like relatively unscathed was Ptolemy and he got he had a long life. Yeah. He, he survived to old age and Yeah, went to Egypt. Got his got his That's Egypt my hope. and started started the most incestuous family uh, dynasty yeah. in the history of dynasties. Yeah. Even Which more than Duck Dynasty? <laughs> 
<laughs> Christian or not, I'm sure there's some boy putt putt in there somewhere. It's... <laughs> wow. Oh. Uh, all of Louisiana. Come on, hates all their yeah. mouth is Thanks, based on a little wooden thing they blow in. Come on. <laughs> so there's two hey, things. Hey, they're good Christian people, Juan. Two things Louisiana <laughs> hates Tom Segura and now the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the record, I love Boudin. I love Cracklins. Oh, yeah. Abita beer is pretty good. Go LSU. Yep. I love Baton Rouge. I love New Orleans. I love Muffalettas. It's a great place. Beignets. Oh, yeah. If it wasn't for the dang coronavirus, I would be going to New Orleans for my birthday. It's a great city, especially when it's not Mardi Gras. Yeah. When it's Mardi Gras, it's pretty much a cesspool. But um, other than that, it's great. Yeah. This makes me hungry. I still want to... I still want to get Juan there because I know Juan would just have like a food coma overload. Yeah, it just makes oh, me dude, the food yeah. there is great. The food there is great. Dude, it's, I'm bringing my scooter. I could throw it. It's hands down one of the best food cities on earth. For sure. It's, it's so good. For sure. So yeah, that was our episode on Alexander the Great and, uh, you know, Juan, like you previously said a couple minutes ago, like when you make a group of people hate you, you know, they remember. So, you know, be careful with what you say about women because women have long memories like the Greek military did. That's yeah, right. I'm constantly reminded of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that one person can create so much anger. And then, like, I'm fine, but they're not. And it's like, wow. <laughs> I feel so important that you're still angry. Sorry, but I would have been over me like yesterday. Like, who do you think is the most modern equivalent to Alexander the Great? Uh, Keanu by Reeves. what regards? <laughs> like uh, by like one leader that just gobbled up the most amount of land. Ooh, Ooh man! I mean, I mean, nobody's ever done it since him. Not, not like, to that, that like level, him. But- Mm. Yeah. yeah, you had my. You think it'll ever I, I was going, How many years till it happens again? I, my brain was it's going happen in a different direction when you said who who's a modern equivalent, and I was like, well, I don't know because Kevin Spacey. Well, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for taking the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Can't let you know. It, it took me a second, and I was like, wow, okay. Because I just heard that. Like I'm way late on that whole. Train. Yeah, that was a while ago. One. I said train. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> Why? It'll happen again. It'll happen again. I don't think it's going to be in our lifetimes no. or anytime soon. No. But there will be some country that is super industrialized. Yes. I guess Hitler. Hitler was probably the closest because he did a lot. Because when like, well, like I was going to say Stalin, but Stalin didn't take over a bunch of stuff. Like, I mean, he had the Eastern Bloc countries with what he took in World War II, but it wasn't in the mm-hmm. same... Like, it was kind of a similar style, power, though. He, he came to power in Russia, but he already had control of most of the territory. Like, right. they got, what, Poland and maybe Hungary? You know, like, it wasn't... Hitler went, like, he took he over He started the so same much. way. He stole his way in right. and just took over. And then, you know, and it was never... He never stopped. It was always further, 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 bigger machinery, faster, you know till the yeah. burnout but kind of similar just not nearly yeah. as grand i guess the scale no not as big of a scale but still the big ego with never giving up the arrogance not listening to your your advisors not listening for wise counsel 
Yeah, and making Same all the decisions yourself kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, anyone that opposes you, just awful deaths. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's probably. Hopefully it doesn't Hopefully, it doesn't happen anytime soon. No. I mean, Canada is always a threat. <laughs> I'm always, yeah. Trudeau has always worried me. Yeah, what did he come out and say recently? Like, um, he's not going to come to the U.S. for something. Like, he's just going to come, like, phone in on Skype. I'm like, okay, Trudeau, you're, we're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's crying. No, exactly. You really, you really showed us Americans. Yeah. <laughs> Most Americans don't even know who he is. <laughs> yeah. The thing that the only thing they know about him is that he wore blackface. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. What? So. Yeah. Yeah, you no. know about that? That's oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Dude, it's like enough is enough. God dang. Yeah. So, well, that was uh, our episode and our take on Alexander the Great. I hope everybody enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, hit us up, send us some messages, like our videos and posts on Instagram and Facebook. And Twitter, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye bye. Bye. the FBI was listening and like what's all this boy love talk <laughs> you shut this I'm shit I'm already down. paranoid enough as it is man so so for the FBI that's listening out oh, there um, my name is Patrick Eady and my co-hosts are Dan Hornstein <laughs> <laughs> hey, and Juan Smith and Smith. <laughs> <laughs> nicely played nicely played sorry bud <laughs> All right. Sorry for interrupting. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> 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 Hello, everyone. Go ahead whenever you're ready. God, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do that so perfectly? Oh. <laughs> you read you, you're scary. Yeah, so I've been doing that. For, I've been doing that to my mom for a long time. <laughs>